Funding for this podcast comes from MathWorks, creators of MATLAB and Simulink software, accelerating the pace of engineering and science. Learn more at MathWorks.com. This episode is brought to you by Paramount+. Plus. Get in, loser! Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount+. Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG-13. Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Hey folks, just a heads up, there is some very sexually explicit conversation coming your way in this episode, so be prepared. Or if that's not your jam, we've got plenty more episodes for you to check out. Jump into the feed. Do it. Produced by the iLab at WBUR Boston. All right, I'm rolling. You be rolling? You see me rolling. We recording. Clearly, we're a little punchy right now. Clearly. It's because we're about to start an interview at 9 p.m. There is a reason. We'll get to it. For now, let's just say that this particular day last September was a long one for Team Endless Thread. All right, what are we doing? We're going to go talk to Chris and Kim, a.k.a. MV Couple. MV Couple. Mm-hmm. There they are. That's a very... I think I just saw Kim through the window. That is like, when I look at that... I see suburbia. Well, that's where we are. We're in the Merrimack Valley of Massachusetts. So for people who aren't familiar with that, we're north of Boston by about an hour. And we're going to go talk to them. Cool. Hopefully their kids are asleep. That's the idea. They wouldn't talk to us until their kids were guaranteed to be asleep. So So we're starting the interview after 9 p.m. This point was non-negotiable. And the reason Chris and Kim wanted their kids asleep for our conversation is because we were there to talk about their sex life, which, as it turns out, is very negotiable within a certain set of rules. I'm not looking for a pen pal. I'm not looking for a new friend. I've got standards. Is this explicitly about the sex? Or is part of the attraction hanging out with other people? No, it's just about the sex. Yeah, for Uh, me it's about the sex. I'm Ben Brock Johnson. I'm Amory Sievertson, and you're listening to Endless Thread, the show featuring stories found on Reddit. One does not walk into our show without saying how it is made. We are coming to you from Boston's NPR station, WBUR. Emery, you came up with the name for this episode. Cupcake. And that will make sense in a bit, but we should start where this story came from on Reddit. It came from the R4R community. R4R stands for Redditor for Redditor. Really, there's a kind of set of R4R communities. There's the main one, and then there's one for Boston. There's one for New York. So many more. There's R4R Midwest, Florida R4R, Troll for Troll. No idea what that one is. Um, R4R Furry. I know what that one is. Oh, boy. Okay. R4R is a resource for all kinds of Redditors looking for all kinds of things. It's described by moderators as, quote, the de facto Reddit community for people meeting people for almost anything. Students looking for study books. Buddies, musicians looking to start a band, marriage prospects, TV and movie watching together, friends with benefits, meme sharing, poetry sharing. But a good amount of what goes on here is some form or another of hooking up. 
There's a set of rules for the subreddit, which include things like don't offer sex for money, don't be homophobic or racist or sexist. If you're posting something that's not safe for work, tag it not safe for work. Suffice it to say, it's kind of a big old stew of stuff on R4R. And we found a post from people specifically looking to explore consensual non-monogamy. What does that mean exactly? We're about to find out. You made it. How's it going? We We're not that it. hard to find. <laughs> How you doing, Chris? Ben. Hi, Ben. Chris, I'm Amory. Nice to finally meet you. Nice yeah. to meet you, Come yeah. On. Thanks for having us. Chris and Kim live in a duplex. It's cozy. The living room is bursting with toys, a well-adorned refrigerator. There's a plaque on the wall that reads, Remember, as far as anyone knows, we're a nice, normal family. And when you first sit down with Chris and Kim, you'd have zero reason to think otherwise. Kim works in accounting, Chris in tech support. They have two kids, both in grade school. They've been married for 13 years. How did you two meet? Well, actually, um, we met through our respective siblings. My sister and his brother were dating. And so we just kind of happened to know each other and we hated each other. A whole lot. A whole lot. Yeah, like (laughs) despised might be a little underwhelming for describing how we felt about each other. Why did you despise each other? Well, Chris was an asshole. I I am an asshole. Chris was married when they met, and he didn't get along with his wife, so he wasn't very generous in how he'd talk about her around Kim, which made him seem like, well, an asshole. But that marriage ended, time passed, things changed. It was actually really gradual. Um, There was one evening, um, I had just moved into his apartment complex, I think one floor up. Yeah, directly above me, actually. And um, he dropped by to say hi, and and he saw me, and all I had was a box that I was sitting on, and I was eating um, a bowl of chips and milk. That was my dinner, and I was watching TV, and um, he thought I could could do better for dinner, and so he invited me down to his apartment, and he made me... Chicken stir-fry. Stir-fry, and uh, he had, had an extra couch, and he's like, you can take my extra couch, and... We started kind of hanging out after that. Like most long-term relationships, Chris and Kim admit that theirs has been up and down. Um, There were a lot of times that we were kind of out of sync, Um, especially after we had kids. The focus really moved to, you know, we have to take care of the kids, and we neglected our marriage. And we'd been to counseling, and we'd come back together, and we've kind of decided to kind of experience life together, new things together, and that's really cemented our foundation. One of the new things they recently decided to experience together? About, I don't know, six months ago, the idea of of a threesome came up, and I'm not bi at all, um, so I kind of turned that down really fast. But I was always kind of wondering, you know, is this something that Chris is interested in? And we started talking about it more and more. And I said, I don't want a, a threesome right now, but maybe we could talk about non-monogamy. He's like, okay, we'll talk about it. And we talked about it for a really long time to make sure that it was something that we would both be comfortable with and not just something we're saying. Was there an instigator here? Or, or is it fair to say that one of you was kind of more interested in branching out from your current what at the time was your current arrangement? 
No, I don't think so. It was more along the lines of we had been so low in how the relationship was going and we had grown it all the way up to so high. We were kind of at a point where like, what's next? What was next was Tinder, Bumble, setting up profiles looking for playmates, as Chris and Kim call them. Which led to frustration, letdowns, and ghosting. Kim got upset. She was like, I don't know if I want to do this anymore. This is heartbreaking. This is ridiculous. I was having terrible luck on Tinder. And uh, so I was kind of branching out into, you know, maybe Reddit. I had heard good things from uh, someone I had chatted to about finding someone on Reddit. And that's where I said, how about you let me make a Reddit post? Let's see what happens. So they did. To the Boston R4R community. Hello out there, Redditors. 36-year-old married black female in a non-monogamous relationship. Husband and I are both under this account. We are looking for friends with benefits individually, so don't worry. About me. 36, light chocolate skin, big soft ass. Was okay, you get the picture. But what you might not be able to tell is that this post was actually written by Chris. Kim says it's because he's more eloquent. But really, who better than your own husband to brag about your physical attributes? The post also laid down some rules. If you are married and cheating or otherwise need a discreet relationship, I'm not the lady for you. And please remember that I'm a lady first. My husband is 100% aware of my actions, both here and on Tinder and Bumble. He's got at least one post out there for himself as well. There are no secrets between us. And it sets some expectations. Neutral ground, drinks, introductions, and maybe a little making out. And if you're a good boy, you can grab my ass. The responses to each of their Reddit posts and dating app profiles started rolling in. Albeit more so for Kim than for Chris, but still... It was exciting. It was fun seeing Chris's interactions with other women, how he talked to them. And I had to help him tweak his bio a little bit so he sounded more human. <laughs> That's nice that you you helped him out. You kind of tried to you uh, put some shine on his, uh, his profile for him. I just want success. You yes. know? And... She was actually instrumental in me getting my first good match because... I, um, I I didn't get much uh, with my initial profile, which apparently pandered a bit too much to the fact that I'm not cheating. You can talk to my wife, which apparently doesn't go over very well. Can you talk about more, just more about how the first foray into this world went for you? Um, and I guess how you kind of set your parameters? There was a lot of conversation about our rules and what we're comfortable with and not comfortable with. Um, so we had four main rules, uh, no falling in love. I'm just going to jump in here real quick because this is an important one. Chris and Kim identify as non-monogamous, not polyamorous. Polyamory is being in love or romantically involved with multiple people. Chris and Kim say this experiment is purely a physical one. And it's not like the idea of sleeping with other people and being open about it is new. Free love in the 60s, key parties in the 70s. I don't know what the 80s had, but I'm just going to guess that Huey Lewis in the news was involved somehow. But these days, I don't know if it's my age or the online and app dating world we're living in or both, I feel like polyamory and consensual non-monogamy are growing in popularity. 
As of 2016, at least, researchers estimated that 4 to 5 percent of Americans participate in some form of consensual non-monogamy, meaning their partners are aware that they're non-monogamous. And a 2016 National YouGov poll found that 44 percent of Americans under 30 say they're open to non-monogamy. Now, there isn't exactly a treasure trove of data on this because, well, not everyone is exactly eager to talk about it, but we were eager to talk about it. So I called up an expert. Hi, I'm Dr. Debbie Herbenick. I'm a professor at the Indiana University School of Public Health, and I've been studying sexual health and behavior for about 20 years, including consensual non-monogamy. Is consensual non-monogamy on the rise in America or around the world, or how much do we know about that? Well, you know, there's not good historical data in the United States to track changes in time. Um, We do know that people have long engaged in some forms of open sexual behavior. So if you think back, for example, to the earlier um, 1900s or 1930s, 40s, 50s, you may have heard of the term wife swapping. Mm -hmm. Um, And so people would, you know, have sex with other people's spouses and, you know, often good friends, neighbors, people somewhat in the same social circle. Of course, there have been swinging parties, you know, in more recent history. There have been, um, you know, orgies over, you know, centuries. You know, and, and orgies involving, right, not necessarily people who are single, but including people who already have, um, you know, romantic partners or spouses. When we're talking about rules, I'm wondering how important it is to establish rules when you're, when you're making the shift from monogamy to non-monogamy. Well, you know, many couples find that it's helpful for them to have some specific rules, especially when they're just starting out. So some couples that might look like, you know, oral sex is okay, but vaginal or anal sex is not okay. It might be like you can have sex with other people, but you can't spend the night at their house. Sometimes it's uh, it's about, you know, anyone is fine except not my best friend or not my sister or not mm-hmm. my brother. Um, and, you know, and those are those are true rules that people have that help them navigate. The key thing is that you keep talking with each other and you're honest with one another about how you're feeling are changing or progressing, because if you're not honest, then someone's going to hurt you without meaning to. What effect could a shift from monogamy to non-monogamy have on a family as a whole? So specifically when kids are involved in the equation? Yeah, you know, kids bring another layer to, you know, to any relationship and family that they're in. But, you know, what you generally want to think about is how do we still kind of live our lives and live our relationship or marriage in ways that are supporting the well-being and stability of our of our family and our children. But, you know, just as we don't talk about all the details of our sexual lives anyway with our children, you know, most of us, there's no mandate for sharing that with your children either. Um, one thing we, we haven't touched on, but we, you know, just think is really important to at least address when we're talking about these shifts, is also why people are making shifts. For many couples who this goes well for they're shifting from monogamy to openness because they have, in their you know estimation, so much love to give or so much emotional availability in their relationship already, mm-hmm. and they feel like they can they can expand and hold more people within that. Um, and so the idea is that for people who are just shifting into uh, consensual non-monogamy because they're bored or they feel like their partner doesn't give them what they want. That's generally not seen as maybe a great time to make that shift. And again, everyone has to make their own choices, but 
the limited research that we have, um, you know, does talk about, you know, what's, what's the reason for the shift in the first place. Even though the research is limited, non-monogamy does seem to be more in the ether these days, from TLC reality shows to Netflix, like the 2018 British show Wanderlust, starring Tony Collette and Stephen McIntosh. Mamie Jan wanted to talk to you. I've decided to start seeing other people. Together? Yes. In tandem? At the same time. Different people? But still together, I mean your dad. So very much as we are now. To a lot of people, these kinds of lifestyles sound intriguing. But the reality is, at least according to some of the people I know who are poly, things get real complicated real fast. Which is why we should get back to Chris and Kim's rules. Uh, no anal play, uh, protection for penetration, and no marks. We weren't really keen on expunging our, our lifestyle to everybody. I don't want to have that conversation with... Um, Random people, I guess, would be the case. As I as I'm on the radio or the podcast, I was about to say everybody on the planet, but <laughs> but you don't know who I am, Mister Microphone. So I'm okay with that. So I can live with that. Can you kind of walk us through how one of these matches went? Like you find someone on Reddit or you find someone on the app. What's the next step to bringing them into your life? How did the, how does this work? So what happened for me is I would go out for drinks or dinner. Um, I would determine if this guy was sketchy or not. If I felt safe with him, I would report back to Chris, like, this guy was nice. And we would talk. And I'd say, I want to, you know, move forward. So I reach out to the guy. We set up a time to get together and to be intimate. And then I come home, shower, uh, brush my teeth, crawl back into bed and cuddle with Chris. We, we kind of approach this whole thing as we'd, we'd like dessert. We already have this wonderful meal of a relationship. We, wouldn't we like a, a cupcake? Like a cupcake would be great. You can't have a cupcake every day. You can't have a cupcake every time you go out. How often do you want a cupcake? Uh, every couple of weeks? And that was kind of what we came to. I want a cupcake every day. Yeah. <laughs> Try, try scheduling a cupcake with two kids. It's a little harder. <laughs> During our interview, Chris and Kim had a good sense of humor about all this. But there's something we haven't told you. This is actually their second attempt. Their shared Reddit account username is actually MVCouple2. And that's because about five months into their first experiment with non-monogamy, they shut the whole thing down, deleted their account. And this decision came the night before we were originally supposed to interview Chris and Kim. They told us there had been a, quote, breach of trust in the experiment. We thought that was the last we'd hear from them. But obviously, it wasn't. More in a minute. The world's clean energy future relies on ancient elements still in the ground. Without mining, there will not be a clean energy transition. But pulling them out of the ground comes at an environmental and human cost. Mining is intrusive, but the results are the building blocks for products that we use every single day. 
I'm Meghna Chakrabarty. Join me on point for Elements of Energy, Mining for a Green Future, five special episodes. Listen and follow on point wherever you get your podcasts. Did you kill Marlene Johnson? I think you're one of the first people to have actually asked. From WBUR and ZSP Media, this is Beyond All Repair, a new podcast about an unsolved murder that will leave you questioning everything. Somebody should be in jail for murdering my sister. A woman who's never been believed. As long as they think I have done this, then they're not looking for who actually did this. And that's what makes it a cold case. No, it's a botched case. And a search for the truth, once and for all. Wow, it just gets more interesting. Beyond All Repair. Listen and follow wherever you get your podcasts. Be careful. You're digging in a place that's been very peaceful for a while. Do it anyway. Dig. Chris and Kim, a.k.a. MV Couple on Reddit, had been experimenting with what they call cupcakes, sexual partners outside of their marriage. But about five months in, they hit a roadblock. We had already made our arrangements to go see them. We had our audio kit packed up. We had extra batteries, the whole deal. We were ready to talk. They were not. And when it happened, they didn't say much about it, just that the whole thing was off. There was a breach of trust of some sort. A little thing that happened that had big implications. We were both kind of in a situation where I, I didn't want to do anything to hurt Kim, and she didn't want to do anything to hurt me. And with this situation that rose up, we didn't want to... We, we were very wary about risking it. In what you just talked about, you talked about it as a we. Like, we hit this roadblock. Um, which I totally appreciate and is fine if you want to talk about it that way. But um, I guess I want to make the safe space for you to talk about it more specifically than that. Well, sure. I was out with a guy and I checked his credit card. And that was not what Chris meant by check his ID. And that was unacceptable. And I knew that now. And I didn't know that then. And but the damage had already been done. Um, but we've changed the rules now where Chris needs to meet my potentials and I need to meet his. And that's... Yeah. Don't discover any one. ID at that point. <laughs> so the checking IDs thing wasn't a sex rule. It was a safety rule. And the new version where any potential sexual partner of Kim has to meet Chris and vice versa, that sounds kind of awkward. Like, hey, before we go to a hotel or whatever, I just need to swing by the house so my husband can give you the thumbs up. But for them, this new way of doing things, it works. Are you in touch with each other throughout the course of your, what you're calling dates? Are you in, in communication the whole time? We are in communication when we arrive at the location, um, when we encounter the person, and then when we're leaving. We have code words. We have our own little way of talking to each other so that we know it's real and not distressed. Mm -hmm. When we go to meet somebody for an intimate meeting, we say where we are, um, if it's a hotel, what the number is. And yeah. same thing when we're coming home, say we're on our way home. What typically happens when one of you comes home from a date? Is there a curfew also? 
Depends on the day. Yes, that, there is a curfew. Yeah, if it's a work night, then it's got to, you know, you have to be able to get up and go to work the next day kind of thing. So when's the curfew? Um, 2 a.m., right? I think it's 2 a.m. Yeah, which is, you know, it, it's one of those things like the hair of the dog. Like, if you want to come in at 2 a.m., just know your ass has got to get up at 6 to go to work. So you can stay out till 2 um, but we do have a policy in place for, uh, like overnights where we have to be home by 7am the next day, uh, just so that we're home when the kids wake up. So there's no point where, you know, the, the kids are getting up and says, where's mommy? Where's daddy? We're always home. We, we've designed everything out to, um, I don't want to say keep them in the dark, but, but to affect them as minimally as possible. We don't go out until after they're in bed. Um, we don't ever bring anybody home like they are as close to out of the loop as humanly possible that's going to change eventually right like they're the oldest one is 10 yeah he could be sitting up at the top of the stairs listening right now i don't know <laughs> yeah but i i mean we we can imagine like we can imagine like 14 this like arrangement starts to become more complicated if they ever start asking questions uh, i would be as honest as I think I could be with uh, that that age. You know, I'm not going to explain everything to a four-year-old, but you know, I would be honest with them because they deserve that. And if they're uncomfortable with it, then we'll talk through it. And if that means we need to stop, then we need to stop. How much do you tell each other about dates when you come home? As much as is asked. So that's the policy is just yeah. if you ask, I'll tell you whatever you want to know and if you don't ask we won't talk about it yeah yeah pretty much if asked do tell yeah <laughs> yes exactly yeah, exactly <laughs> uh kim never asks um i ask occasionally um the first time she went out like we turned on all the lights and sat up I'm like tell me everything uh but after that i didn't like it, it was more destructive than helpful because i have an overactive imagination so we worked through that. And now I'm, you know, literally she's like, hey, I might be going out with someone. I'm like, have fun. Just I'll see you when you get home. It's much easier for me now. So familiarity. I just if he has fun. Yeah. That's pretty much it. Do you have a good time? Good. Okay. Leave me alone. I'm going to bed. <laughs> okay. If you're thinking what I was thinking at this point in the conversation, you probably want to scream, how? How do they do this? How are they not overcome with jealousy and angst? Chris and Kim say it all comes down to trust. She knows what would make, if she went out and did this, it would make me feel uncomfortable. And I know that she won't do that. And there's no reason for me to be worried about that in any way, shape, or form. I trust her like 150%. And so there's no reason for me to be jealous because she's going to come home to me. And I, I never doubt that. But what about rule number one? No falling in love, because it seems like a physical relationship could accidentally evolve into an emotional one, right? If you start to develop feelings for somebody, there'll be no anger if you come to me and you say, hey, I'm, I'm starting to develop feelings for him because we have to take care of that. What does that mean? Does that mean you want to move him into the house? Does that mean you want a divorce? What, what does that mean? But we're not looking for something we're not getting at home. We're just looking for something in addition to what we have at home. How many partners have each of you had since the beginning of the experiment? I had four. I've had four. Yeah. 
So we're pretty much in parity at this point. And do you just have one at a time, or do you do you currently each have four? Gosh, no. No, only one at a time. I, I can't manage that many people. Who knows at this point? Your kids don't know. Who in your life knows that you have entered this experiment? My sister and my mom. And that's it. Yeah, that's pretty much it. Oh, my, and my brother. So, yeah. But Chris and Kim are starting to become a little more public about their non-monogamy. They recently broadened their search beyond Reddit and dating apps to something I didn't know was still a thing. Swingers parties! Anecdotally, how big is this community? It's a lot bigger than I thought it was. I was shocked. Yeah, we were at a party <laughs> last weekend, and there were like 60-some-odd couples. And that was, I, I guess they would say, a smaller party. Uh, there's one coming up around Halloween they figure there would be about 300 couples at. I mean, I really have no shame about this lifestyle. Um, if people figure out who we are, then fine. It's our secret life. And if I were to see a coworker at one of the clubs, I'd say, hi, <laughs> Monday's going to be awkward, huh? <laughs> what do you both want people to know about non-monogamy or maybe just about your non-monogamous relationship? That it's, it's brought us closer, that it's improved our communication tenfold, and that it's fun, but it's not for everybody. You have to find your own fun in your marriage, and this is ours. Mm -hmm. It's funny because I still kind of consider myself monogamous because there's only one person that I love. There's only one person that I want to be with. Um, I think sex is a separate entity from marriage. There's much more to marriage than sex. And that this is just exciting. And I'm terrified of heights, so I'm not going to jump out of a plane. So this is kind of like my jumping out of a plane. And I'm very pro-monogamy. Don't get me wrong. I mean, I'm very pro-vegetarianism, but I'm nowhere near a vegetarian. It's, it's what suits you. I think that's all we ever want from anybody who finds out is we're not different. I mean, we, we go to work, we pay taxes, we love each other. The non-monogamy thing, it's just the next stage of what we do for fun. What, what do you do when you, you reach your, your mid to late 30s? And what do you do? Other people is what you do. Emery, <laughs> <laughs> in a way, the most surprising thing about this couple was, for me, how completely normal they are. Like being in their house, there's no sex dungeon. They're not like covered in tattoos or following the satanic church. They aren't young supermodels. They just don't fit the stereotypes that people might have about non-monogamous relationships. And that's a really good reminder that stereotypes are often BS when it comes to sex and love. True. And I think we're going to see those stereotypes further squashed because newsflash, wholesome Ben Johnson it's not that alternative to be covered in tattoos anymore. Just FYI. Hey, you're talking to a guy who used to have a nipple ring, so... Oh, my God! I'm down with the cause. Also, what they're trying to do is just really difficult. So difficult and so tenuous that it blew up in their faces once already. And it's going to get more difficult, too, with kids. I have to admit, Ben, I was afraid that we'd never be able to run this interview because... 
Like any day, their experiment with trust and non-monogamy could fall apart again. It's a minefield. But for them, it still seems to be working. MV Couple 2 is still on Reddit, still looking, and they're currently seeking other couples to meet up with. So do with that information what you will. I can't speak for Kim, but I kind of imagine this this weird moment where at some point in the future, I'm sitting here and my cupcake will be there and Kim will be here and her cupcake will be here and we'll all be drinking and playing cards against humanity together. I think that's that's kind of the closest that you'll come for me to seeing what's the future hold? A really good cupcake is what the future holds, hopefully. Endless Thread is a production of WBUR, Boston's NPR station, in partnership with Reddit. Our show is a dream realized by Jessica Alpert, who, when we told her Chris and Kim were going to try non-monogamy, she said, What could go wrong? Iris Adler is our executive producer and imagines that R for R Furry is filled with sub-Reddit drama. Mix and sound design by John Parati and Paul Vikas, who think of cupcakes as forbidden snacks. Our web producer is Megan Kelly, who always says the same thing when she meets new people. Have we met? Michael Pope is our advisor at Reddit, and he thinks long-term relationships are like retrofuturism. Josh Swartz is our producer, and he thinks Huey Lewis in the News is like old people Facebook. Our theme music is by Squelcher. Thanks to Redditor Fegerzen for this week's totally awesome custom artwork he did for us. It is called Endless Love. You can find more of his work on Instagram at fk underscore illustration. By the way, if you want to email us, you can hit us up at endlessthread at wbur.org. You can give us a juicy story tip so we can tell it like we did today, or you can let us know if you want to make art for an upcoming episode. Please do. We would love to work with you. My co-host and producer is Amory Sievertson. I'm senior producer and host Ben Brock Johnson. I'll let myself out. <laughs>